Welcome down to North Star Community. This is Scott, one of the pastors. And this is Teresa, the other pastor. Uh, We are here bringing another message recap. Um, You're probably tired of hearing us say that. So we will jump right in. I like the topic for today. I don't know. Thank you. Yeah. I don't know how closely we'll follow the outline. Um, We have gotten, we have been, what do I want to say here? Let's just say we haven't been incredibly disciplined the last few months about sitting down on a once a week basis to do podcasts. So we've been really behind and we've gotten further behind. And that means sometimes it's hard to remember them. However, uh, I remember that the week before this message, mm-hmm. we're in our forgiveness series. Right. Um, the week before this message, I did a message and on Saturday night, somebody, it, it became clear in a conversation with one particular person how difficult it was to think about being on the receiving end of mercy. Yes, that's true. Like, even though we know we're never going to perfectly earn our way into God's people, we, many of us, cling to this idea that, like, at least we can do a little bit, you know, so that we're not the worst person being brought in. I know that's not really the thought that many people have, but that's not the explicit thought that people have. But like, there's this idea that like, okay, yes, God saves us. God's the one who does it. It's not about us. But like, I don't want to just get in for no reason. Actually, one person said to me afterwards, you know, the way you guys are talking about forgiveness, it's almost like nobody needs to try anymore. (laughs) Right. You know, and I think that's it. I think that's, uh, I think um, when it comes to mercy and grace, we're always encouraging people to take the bumper guards off and lean into it. Mm -hmm. And I think that this is a real natural inclination we have to say, well, good grief. If you're going to make the bar for forgiveness so easy, which, you know, we've defined it as just don't be vengeful or seek revenge. Right. You know, what's the incentive for people to be good? Mm-hmm. There is this fear like if you if you don't if you don't walk around with a switch are the children really going to behave? Mhm. And um and there is some anxiety that comes from that. This is treading a little bit on a message that happened a few weeks later, but um well, I can frame it differently. That way it'll seem that way it'll seem different when it arrives. But so the, um, obviously I'm getting my mental health degree, yada, yada, yada. I'm steeped in that, in my mental health counseling degree. So I'm steeped in the counseling world. And the research of Carl Rogers in the 1940s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, however long he did his research, uh, it was his belief and his research more or less supported this, that when people felt really accepted, this is a very gross simplification, simplification. Yeah. but when people feel really accepted, um, they tend to make moves for the better. Yeah. They tend to try to change for the better. And people in our community know that shame doesn't particularly make for a faithful person. Right. Right. 
However, I think we still struggle with this idea that we need to have negative consequences hanging over our heads in order to keep us from going off the rails. Right. When the reality is, and and research is starting to show this, uh, uh, very much on a delay, right? right. You know, 2,000 years after Jesus' death, research is starting to show that, in fact, we don't need negative consequences to behave, and the threat of negative consequences can actually be the thing that brings the worst out of us, or at least keeps us where we are. Right. It de-incentivizes change. Yeah. And people really have a hard time believing that. We're, we are afraid to try. Yeah. Right? I mean, this is a this is a new idea for most people. This is a new idea in faith circles. Never mind that John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world. Right. Right? I think... The fact that that is the most popular verse in a culture that is, by and large, pretty steeped in shame is hilarious to me. <laughs> it, it, is, uh, it is very, very interesting how disconnected we are from what we promise when we're talking about our faith versus what we practice. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this message that that we're talking about today was almost like a choral response to your message the weekend before. This doesn't often happen because a lot of times I've already prepared something, but I was so struck by, so you were struck by the almost confusion and pushback about this idea. Mm-hmm. Um, but and And talking about God's mercy in this way and that it was hard sometimes to receive it. But I saw a head nod of recognition of somebody who I knew had had to receive a large dose of mercy, and I saw that she really connected. And um, so I was inspired to kind of alter what I was going to do a bit and continue the conversation a little different way. So this is that message. This is a, a choral response to your message for those po- folks, one who was living with receiving severe mercy and living with the discomfort of it, and another person who was like, I hear you, but I think we could all try a little harder and it wouldn't we wouldn't tax God quite so much. Just try a little harder. Right. And so um, the story you used is a story of the woman at the well Um, knowing that she is um, kind of steeped in shame, the woman who encounters Jesus in the middle of the day when nobody else is around, when the sun is about at its hottest point. She's at the well fetching water, and she has this encounter with Jesus. So we've been having this conversation about the fact that truly receiving mercy is hard. Like, Again, this is another one of those conversations where everybody agrees that mercy is a good idea. When you talk about receiving it, right, and not doing anything back, you know, like stepping out of that cycle of reciprocity of you do something for me, therefore I do something for you. I think that that we still hang on to this idea that if somebody shows us mercy, we then need to figure out some way to pay it back, even if it seems kind of unrelated. We right. are stuck in this idea that if somebody does something for us, we need to do something for them. Yeah. And we're, we are saying practice letting somebody or God 
just do something for you, right? Without completing this cycle. Yeah. And and I want to uh, step in with a personal story. So yesterday, once a year, I go down and to, I mean, I go down to the healing place and do stuff often, but once a year they hold a day long training session. And um, I do one hour of that training session and I was really excited about my topic and everything. It was going to be something new that I'd never presented to them before. The only problem was I forgot to go. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm the first one on the count. I'm, I'm the first one on the thing. And uh, oh my, I know it was terrible. And uh, and so I got a text from a number I didn't recognize and says, "Are you coming this morning?" And mm. I'm like, "Who is this?" And then I went, "Oh no, this is December third. I was thinking it was December second. So I immediately called, and I it was. It was uh, one of the coordinators down there that I work with, and he just was gracious and, and immediately forgave me. But here's what I observed post-haste. <laughs> After he did that, I have really had a hard time not taking a batch of cookies down to him. Right. Or send them flowers. Mm-hmm. Or redouble my efforts at volunteerism. Right. You know, there, and it's an internal pressure, but because we've been doing this series, I've just got to receive his mercy. Yeah, it's like something inside of you says, there's no way to make up for this, but I need to do something. Right. And I right. think that's the trap. I mean, that is the very trap that we're discussing is right. the idea that um, we convince ourselves that we're not having trouble receiving mercy when we do something in return that we know isn't going to make up for the thing fully. Right. Right? So like you think I've received mercy and I'm going to send them flowers. Right. But in reality, just receiving mercy is to say, I'm actually just going to receive this and not grovel. Right. And not try to compensate. And right. not And not do extra sessions next year. Right. I'm going to trust... That, that they meant what they said. That they meant what they said and that all is well. It's horrible. I hate it. It's a bad feeling because you a, feel... It's a bad What feeling. is the feeling? Because I have a guess. Um, well, you know, it's interesting because I think what I would have felt historically is shame. Okay, so can I give my guess? Because I think yeah. we're, we're going to end up in two very different places Shame here. isn't what I felt, but go ahead, guess. You, you feel the debt. Feel the what? The debt. The debt. You feel like there's a debt that has I been... Do, I do feel like there's a debt. And there and must I be some way beholden, for me. Right. And I feel embarrassed mm-hmm. that um, someone had to pay something for me because it cost them something. They figured out how to do something different, but it cost them something. They had to organize. They had to think on their feet. They had to wonder where I was, <laughs> you know? Um, Mm. and I've got a bunch of friends down there and I'm sure some of them were sitting there going, something really horrible has happened to her because she never, she never would not show up for this. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, so I think I probably even really worried a couple of people. Could be. So, um, yeah, that's, yeah, it was terrible. But the, you know, the beauty of of being somebody that does the work we do is this stuff is always in our face. And um, this message was 
was close enough to the surface that I could remember. And um, I thought about the woman at the well. Now, I know we've talked a lot over the years, and I'm sure everybody who ever goes to church hears a lot of messages about the woman at the well. But what I did this particular weekend was uh, something that I had never thought about before. And, and what I suggested was, okay, so here's, you know, remember what happened. Jesus comes, has a conversation with her. She she realizes, and he is he tells her the first person he tells his true identity to and then she totally loses her shyness or her um, fear of other people and runs and tells the villagers that he's there. Many come back and meet him. They believe he's who he says he is. He has a really good experience, stays for a couple of days. But what happens in day 10 or month three after he leaves, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that was my question for our crowd is that, What happens to this woman after the hurrah of Jesus goes when she's still a woman living with a man and been divorced five times? Um, She's still a woman who has not been accepted by this village. What happens to her? Right. I mean, is, you know, that's that's the question because we don't know the answer, right? So it's important. It's important not to assume that we know how the village responds to her after this. But, you know, it's not hard to imagine a scenario where you have this, this encounter, right? And then, and then after two weeks, everything goes back to normal, right? Right. I mean, because, you know, well, I can't necessarily think of a parallel, but like— I don't know. Like I, I think about like when Greg Taylor came in and spoke here, you know, and it's yeah. like a very different is a very different service, and you come in, and um, you know, he does this message, and he he speaks so eloquently and and so um, compassionately, right. right? And that was his topic, and it would be easy, you know, to imagine somebody really living in that place of compassion for two weeks and then having it wear off. Yeah. Because I think I've been in that place in life a number of times where you you get something new and you get excited about it and then you get a little bit of distance and then it's gone. Right, right. And so you you can imagine perhaps a scenario where this village has this great experience and everybody's doing well and then it's gone. And then what does it look like for this woman to live as a person who receives, who is continuing to try to receive mercy when all of the fun, you know, not the fun, but, you know, when, when all of the, the energy and the enthusiasm has worn off. Right. Or, you know, we're coming up on the Christmas season and, you know... I might be past the Christmas season by the time this comes out, so be careful. No, you better get this in before then. Um, but well, we have three or four. We have three or four ahead of this one. So. Well, all right. So let's imagine post Christmas then. Yeah. Whatever. But I'm just you, saying, you have you know. a family that has a lot of needs, mm-hmm. and the community rallies around, and they have a wonderful Christmas. Yeah. But in January, they still can't pay their electric bill. Right. And that's what I thought about this woman at the well. 
And I thought about the severity of the mercy that um, that holding on to that is really hard because it doesn't change other things. Mm-hmm. Um, I received mercy from my friend Stephen at the healing place, but it doesn't change the fact that I still forgot to show up. Well, because here's the thing. This is the this is one of the challenges, right? Is because that's a gift that doesn't feel like a gift, right? Right. So you know that that was sort of the message that we were talking about, and then you know what I've been saying in my messages is I think of forgiveness as an extension of mercy, right? Yeah. And um, so I was saying, so really, it was a very simple message, and the point being is that. Hey, guys, pay attention to the fact that receiving and giving forgiveness is uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we look at forgiveness and we think about the giving of forgiveness as sometimes being difficult. Yeah. But living in the post-forgiven state can really be uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And I think it sometimes makes us wonder, did we really, really forgive? Um, did I receive the forgiveness? And what I'm just suggesting, and really this is as simple as this message was, is it is a it is it is not not forgiving to feel very uncomfortable as both the giver or the recipient of forgiveness, post forgiveness, mm-hmm. and don't run from that. And don't avoid that relationship, um, and don't try to make it any better. Just know that that's part of it, that we think of in these spiritual terms like grace and mercy and forgiveness, and I think we think it should always feel really good, but I don't think it does. It's hard, and that doesn't mean it's not true or real. So what would you say to a person who said in response to this, well, isn't it important that isn't it important that I show God my gratitude for his forgiveness? Hmm. Well, What I would say is check yourself before you wreck yourself (laughs) Um, because um, if you want to show gratitude to God, that's great, but just make sure you don't think you're operating in a quid pro quo world. In other words, don't trick yourself into thinking that your motives are more pure or more spiritualized than they really are. Yeah, that's roughly how I thought about that as well. Because I know that the, that's one of the, I mean, that is one of the questions I've gotten when posing this. Yeah. Because right? I've gotten to pose this this version of forgiveness in a few different states now, right? Like, because <laughs> yeah. we did this in Colorado. We did too. in Colorado. And, it went over equally warmly. And there. it was not. And everybody's su- like, what? And it was not super well received. Although, for the people who received it, they thought it was mind blowing. Right. And for the people who resisted it, they really hated it. 
Yeah. You know, and I think that tends to be how the, and I'm not saying that that's, I'm not judging the rightness or the wrongness of right. either of those reactions. Right. Take what works, leave the rest, right? I'm yeah. perfectly comfortable with that philosophy. But I, I had a, I have a similar idea because I haven't asked that question. Aren't we meant to show God our gratitude? Now, um, I, I think that question is so interesting. I'm like combing in my mind. I'm trying to think of like verses that would indicate such a thing. And there probably are a few, maybe. I can't think of anything specifically off the top of my head that like hits right at, right at that exact idea. But I have this, I have a similar instinct to you, which is make sure that, that what you say you're doing is what you're actually doing. Right. Rather than trying to ease the tension that you feel for the fact that God will accept you truly as you are. Right. Because I don't know how many times I've seen it, but it's been a lot where eventually somebody doesn't want to be at a church in recovery anymore. They want to go back to a good place <laughs> where people don't know that they have problems. And I think it's important that we're not viewed in terms of our problems, right? And that right. our identity is not just our problems. I'm not saying that's not important. Right. But how often... You know, over the years, have we seen it that eventually sometimes people are like, I don't even want to be associated with problems anymore. I want to be able to go put on a good face. Right. And I get that, right? Yeah. Like, and that's, and that's your prerogative and, and, and all that good stuff. But, um, you know, I always feel like we're going to do better as people if we are congruent. So yes. if you want to go, if you want to go to a bigger church that has more stuff, do that and make sure that's because it's what you really want and not because you're trying to hide from something that's nagging you. Right. Right. And if you want to show God your gratitude, make sure that you're showing God your gratitude because you want to show him gratitude and not because there's still part of you that thinks that. You don't deserve love. Right. Um, and if there's part of you that still believes that you don't deserve love, then find people who show you love. Right? That's right. To me, that's kind of the solution to that problem, not can I do extra stuff? You know, it's really uh, funny, back to the story of me forgetting it. Um, the first thing I did um, when, when I realized that I forgot it was I told some people, <laughs> you know, I sent a text to one of my friends who is really, really good at um, severe mercy. Mm -hmm. And her text back to me was, um, I hope you're going to be really kind to yourself about this. Mm-hmm. And I really quite loved that um, because it's really hard to be kind to myself about this. I can't believe I forgot it. <laughs> and I don't know why I can't because I forget stuff all the time. <laughs> but, um, you know, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's hard. It's really hard. It's hard being me. <laughs> <laughs> Mm. So that's the message. It was 
it was, uh, you know, that, that was the point of it as far as I, I intended for it to be. Yeah, I'm sitting here thinking like there's, there's surely some other thread that we need to pull on. Um, because I think that the topic is such an important one. I, you know, part of me wants, you know, part of me wants to make a recommendation, you know, of like practicing, you know, finding ways to practice where you receive something without giving something back, like being very mindful of that. You know, I tend to want to recommend that people stop spiritually performing for a while to see what that feels like before they start spiritually performing again. You know, I think mm -hmm. about the people who are always here packing lunches on Fridays, mm -hmm. and I'm so grateful for that. And then right. part of me also wants to say, why are you doing this? You know, do you know why you're doing it? Well, and guess what? None of them are coming this Friday because they're going to a funeral. So. Yeah, I know, but... Uh, so see, they're good. They're 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 good. They're doing good. They well, know I love all those people, are. and I know that they're good people, right? But sometimes I worry about us, you know, just like I worry about myself too in other areas. But, um, you know, where are we trying to perform? Yeah, you know, I mean, that's something that that we always come back to because just because I think that the the performance is a sign of, um. What word do I want to use? Because I don't want to make it sound more dramatic than it is. But like a lack of wholeness, you know, a lack of, of a certain kind of wellness, right? Or a lack a lack of, um, you know, like you, you know, like sometimes I think it means that that we've we've missed the fact that God actually does just love us. Yeah. Right. And I, I think that that's what performance tends to come out of. Some people are just doing oriented people, right? right. Like we right. know this. We've We've studied that thing that we study that we're not going to mention here. Right. Right. And some people are just doing oriented and that's fine. Right. right. Um, and then sometimes we perform because we just don't quite believe that we're loved, you know? And I think that's the part that I always wonder about. It's like, I hope this isn't why you're doing this. Well, yeah, I, I, I don't like that example because I know those people and I know I, I don't think that that's what going on with any of them. But I do like the thought, which is, you know, how much of what we do are we doing just out of this low-grade anxiety that we need to do something uh, to mitigate To our, met medicate or mitigate? Mitigate okay. our, our badness, you know. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, I just think, uh, I just think that's a thing. I think that we struggle with it, um, which is really unfortunate. Yeah. Can we get to the recommendations? Right. Oh, oh, you're excited about your recommendation. Okay. Mm -hmm. We're feeling, we're feeling, that feels complete to me. Okay, um, good. It's, you know, it's a little under what we normally do, but um, we don't have rules and, we, you know, yeah. so um, who knows, we may have to sit down and do another one of these right after this. And if we do two in a row, then that one's going to be about 10 minutes long. So, yeah, but that'll be good. So I got a recommendation. All right, please do. It's a Wonderful Life, my Christmas, mo favorite Christmas movie of all time. 
I really want to recommend it. And the reason I want to recommend it is I read a really interesting article about the making of the the movie It's a Wonderful Life. When Jimmy Stewart made that movie, he was just back from the war, and he was suffering from what we now would call PTSD. Were they calling it battle fatigue still in those days? I think they were probably calling it battle fatigue. So there are some really scary little parts in the movie where he looks really wild-eyed. Mm-hmm. And they said he was not acting, that that was, uh, that he was really wild-eyed in that movie. And mm. there's another place in the movie where he shows some real anger and resentment and irritability. And I don't know, I guess I always thought he was a really great actor, but according to this article, uh, he was just having a hard time on the set keeping it together. So it's a wonderful life. It's got it all. It's got I good already, guys and bad guys. I already thought that movie was way too sad to watch. And so with that information, I'm even less likely to watch it. It has a happy ending. Yeah. But that happy ending is like 30 seconds long. You know, in that movie, it's like it's like um, Brittany hates watching Meet the Parents. You know, because it's so <laughs> like that either. It's so awkward, yeah. you know, and like everything is going wrong. She she will say like, "I hate the movies where everything's going wrong." Yeah, right. Which to me, like that movie is so funny because everything's going wrong. But to me, it's a wonderful life is like the serious version of that. I recognize that it's good. Mm-hmm. Like I think it's good, and I, I think his acting is really good. But I think that's part of why like it's so. Um. You know, you feel it when you you feel what he's, you know, and so knowing that that's net and tied to the war and stuff is like, oh boy, yeah, that's too much. That's too much for Christmas. Yeah. Um, Well, what about you? Do you have a recommendation? I do. Okay. What is it? You're going to laugh. I know. Everybody's going to laugh. I am not, uh, particularly well-suited for listening to music while I work. Okay. I find it just too distracting. Mm-hmm. You know, I I'm, agree. I'm, I'm just, I'm e- either just listening to the music or, you know, depending on wanting to sing along or like listening to the lyrics or whatever, I'm just not getting anything done. Right. And I've stumbled upon something I can listen to while I work. What is it? They're called Gregorian Chants. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Only you recommends Gregorian chants at the end of a podcast. You know what? I didn't this think is I why would... we have millions of listeners, Scott. I heard somebody else recommend this on a podcast I listened to, and I thought, that sounds crazy. And then I thought, you know what? That sounds like a person who has the same struggles that I, I want to listen to something, you know? Because sometimes I think having just a little something to listen to helps you focus, yeah. you know? Whereas ha- having nothing, my mind wanders. So it's like, I want a little something and it is very peaceful and it's very relaxing. And cool. it's like, it would be very bizarre to listen to Gregorian chants while you're just driving down the road in your car. However, when you do it, when you're sitting at your desk, it's awesome. Um, I don't know if I would recommend it if you sit in like a cubicle farm because everybody will probably look at you weird and think that you have this new strange obsession with monks. You'd have your headphones on. Yeah, I guess it would be really bad form to listen to something out loud in a cubicle farm yes, anyway. Right. Um, so so you can you can recommend it probably. Yeah, so give it a shot, especially if you're in a cubicle farm, I guess. And you have headphones on. All right. Well speaking of music, 
by this time you're hearing music from us. Um, this is music we get at. Blue you know Dot when sessions. when she's doing the prompts like this, it means that that she's looking at her watch and she has a meeting to get to. And she's I have like, no meetings. <laughs> or okay, she, you know she just wants to wrap it up. I want to get a second podcast in for okay. our listeners. Okay, all right, we'll audience. try to do that. All right, we're gonna do two in a row. So mm-hmm. if 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 you if if the next one that you listen to next week sounds like it's lacking energy. It is. This is why. <laughs> um, the music, yeah. The music's courtesy of Blue Dot Sessions, found on the web at sessions.blue. We are North Star Community. Again, I am Scott. This is. <laughs> this is Teresa over there. The this other is person Teresa. you heard talking. Yeah. We don't normally do that at the end. No, I was um, very confused. Yeah, sorry about that. So okay, well, right. uh, yeah, we'll talk to you next out. time. Bye. <laughs>